left in the book of Proverbs. Next week, we're looking at the topic of family. And today we're talking about this idea of money. All right. And so even as I say that word, I wonder when you hear that, what are your earliest memories of money? Like, did you ever have like a job? Did someone give you a job, even as an elementary kid or a preschool kid or chores? And so you got money for doing those things? Or maybe, maybe you couldn't wait till your birthday to open up a card because it had some cash in it. Or you were like, after losing that first tooth, you're like, whoa, maybe I ought to lose some more teeth so then I can get some money. Like, I don't know. What is your first memory thinking about that? I wonder when was the last time that you were excited about finding some money on the ground? Like even if it was a penny, you know, you're like, wow, there's money. You know, maybe it's got to be heads up for you. I don't know. For me, it's money, so it doesn't matter. Um, I remember in junior high, there was one time I was walking in between classes and there on the ground were three quarters. And so I'm like, well, you can't pass up three quarters. So I stopped to bend down to pick up these three quarters and they won't budge. Like someone has super glued them down to the concrete. And then I look up and I see that there's a camera. So they're just watching everyone who stops trying to pick this thing up. But I was with one of my friends at the moment and I don't remember if he unzipped his backpack or if he like just grabbed it from the side, but he picked up this rock and just took it and hit the quarter. And all of a sudden that glue had no power against the rock and he was 75 cents richer. And so like, I still remember that moment. Man, we're talking about money. Like, were you taught by parents in such that you had a bank for giving and one for saving and one for spending? Or were you at least taught some of those principles? Do you remember a time when you broke something and you had to pay for it? Like, maybe you learned a little bit about money at that moment. Or maybe it was just the first time that you understood the value of a dollar. The idea of, man, when I work this much, this is what it costs to spend a certain amount of money. And so maybe those are things that just pop into your mind. In the book of Proverbs, there are somewhere between 60 to 70 verses on wealth and poverty. And this morning, we're going to look at every single one of them. All right? Or not. (laughs) Okay? Some of you can do that at home if you want. But I will tell you, as you read through all of these texts, like they focus on this idea of earning money or handling money, or even having the right mindset just with what we do with this money. And so this morning, I do want to look at seven directives, like from the book of Proverbs, of how we should interact with money. All right? And so the first one is this, that we are called to give to God first. Like that is in Proverbs. You and I, we are called to give to God first. And you might go, well, this is church. That's a proper place to start. Well, it does, but we're going to see what God says about all this. So if you have your Bibles, open up to Proverbs chapter 3. We're going to read verses 9 and 10. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. And this is really kind of our one verse out of Proverbs for this section. As we're looking at this idea of giving to God first. And so here's what it says. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops, and then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Okay, so if we just look at those two verses right off the bat, it tells us that we're to honor God with our first fruits. We're to give back to him what he has given to us. I'm gonna tell you whenever I hear this word first fruits, like the thing that pops into my mind goes back to Genesis. And I immediately think about Cain and Abel. All right, these two brothers that we read, they come and they give their gifts to God. However, we see that God loved Abel's sacrifice, but not Cain's. And Cain, therefore, gets really jealous and he ends up killing his brother. And in the book of Hebrews, it tells us that by faith, Abel offered 
a better sacrifice. Now, there's some different theories on that. Like, what exactly does that mean? Why was his better? Some would tell you it was the type of sacrifice. And so God was pleased with Abel's, but not with Cain's. The type of sacrifice being that Abel brought an animal. And so there was a blood sacrifice versus just crops. Um, I understand that one. I don't tend to lean that way. I think there's other sacrifices that we make at times. And so maybe he chose not to do what God called him to. But again, that's not the way that I lean. There's some people that tell you the difference is the idea of the heart. And so Abel came, I want to offer this to God. Whereas Cain is like, I'm just going through the motions of that. Again, it's a possibility. It's not the way that I lean. The way that I lean is the quality of the gifts. Because if you look specifically at Genesis chapter 4, it tells us that Cain brought some of his crops, but uh, Abel brought some of his firstborn. Like, these are my first fruits. These are my best. I am offering these up to you. But either way, God was pleased with Abel's gift. And so I think about as you read through the Old Testament, like over and over, it talks about this tithe, this first fruits that I give to him. You know, in the book of Psalms, we read that God owns everything anyway. And so we ought to give back to him what is his. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, it talks about how God loves a cheerful giver. And so that's the way that we ought to give. And so having the right mindset of who God is and what he has done for me, man, that changes everything. That makes me want to give to him. I'm not doing it out of obligation. I understand the blessings that he continues to pour down upon my life. And so therefore, I want to honor him. I want to thank him. I want to advance his kingdom and let people understand what I have gotten to experience as well. And if you read in this text, it said to honor God with all of our wealth, not just our first fruits. And so we give back to God what is his, but then we honor him with everything else. The way that we spend our money, the way that we use our money is meant to honor him. And there is a blessing that comes from giving. In fact, I've heard the statement that says you can never outgive God. Um, if you don't believe it, why don't you try it and see what you think? But you can never outgive God because he's going to bless you. And in Malachi chapter three, he even says, test me. Like he says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. He says, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have enough room for it. Like God will bless those who give to him. Now, it may not be exact dollar for dollar. Sometimes people are like, well, I'm in a transaction with God. That's not the way it works. But I will tell you that you will be amazed at how God continually provides for you if you give him his first. And so simply looking at the book of Proverbs, the first directive about money is that we should give to God first. Here's the second thing that we read. We need to earn money with integrity. All right, earn money with integrity. The money that we're earning, we need to do it the right way. And so there's three verses that we're going to look at. Turn to chapter 11, all right? Proverbs chapter 11, verse 1. So it's right at the beginning of this chapter. And here's what Solomon says. The Lord abhors dishonest scales. He hates them but accurate weights are his delight. Okay, so we'll talk about that here in just a moment. Turn over to chapter 13. So two chapters later, chapter 13, verse 11. Okay, chapter 13, verse 11. It says, dishonest money dwindles away, but he who gathers money little by little makes it grow. All right, and so again, the next verse is chapter 21, verse 6. All right, so we're turning quite a ways towards the end. 21, verse 6. 
And it says here, a fortune made by a lying tongue is a fleeting vapor and a deadly snare. So in all of those things, you hear this word lying, uh, dishonest, those type of things. And so you and I, we should not cheat our way into money. Don't use any kind of dishonesty. It talks about dishonest scales of, oh, this is what it is. You know, don't lie. Don't use scams. Just upright. Do not cheat to get the money that you have because God does not like it. And oftentimes, if that's how you get it, you will lose that money in some way. Like sometimes we'll just be paranoid, always looking over our shoulders going, well, who's going to find out about the way that I'm getting this? Or sometimes there's another person who's going to use that same kind of thing and they're going to cheat you out of the money that you have gotten or your actions will catch up to you or even we'll lose our witness. We'll lose our witness. What I mean by that is there's a, there was a pastor that one day he preached on honesty and the next day he rode the bus into the office and so he went to pay his fare to be able to ride the bus and he got too much change. And so he went back and sat down and the whole time he's riding, he's trying to figure out what do I do with this? Like in some ways he's like, well, maybe God's just giving me a little bit of extra money because there's some extra expenses this week. And so maybe that's what's happening here. But then on the flip side, he's like, ah, but this really isn't mine. Like it's not fair. And so he was struggling his whole ride to the place that he got off. And before he gets off, when he walks back up, he gives the change back to the driver. And he says, you made a mistake. You gave me too much change. The driver simply looked at him and smiled and said, no, it wasn't a mistake, but I was at church yesterday and I heard you preach about honesty and I wanted to put you to the test this morning. I'm just going to tell you, the way that we earn our money and the way that we handle our money, it really does affect our witness with other people. Do we really believe and act out the things that we say we believe? And so you and I, we are called to be honest and not lie on our taxes and not say that we did more when reporting numbers or hours at work, not being lazy on the job site that we talked about last week. We are called to earn money with integrity. And according to Proverbs, and you see it played out in life, money earned the right way, even if it takes longer, will be a blessing in your life. Here's the third thing that we read in Proverbs. Don't be greedy. Don't be greedy. I want, I want, I want this. I have to have this. I need this. There's two verses we're looking at. Go to chapter 15, verse 27. Proverbs 15, 27. It says, A greedy man brings trouble to his family, but he who hates bribes will live. Okay? So we'll talk about that in just a moment. Now I want you to turn again to chapter 28, verse 25. 28, verse 25. I bet you your Bible's Proverbs is getting all sorts of turning. (laughs) It's excellent. Chapter 28, verse 25. says this, A greedy man stirs up dissension, but he who trusts in the Lord will prosper. So both of those, right off the bat, they talk about greed. They say those who are greedy, like this causes like trouble to be stirred up. In fact, it brings trouble on people around those who are greedy. But to offset it, the one who does not accept bribes, or just like we talked about, the one who earns money with integrity, he or she will be the one that prospers. 
Now, as we talk about money, like it does help us to survive, but when someone loses the ability to be content with what they have, it can drive you to making some pretty poor decisions. Like some people will start doing whatever they can to, do mo- to, to bring in money, even if that means it's a little bit dishonest or maybe a lot dishonest, but they don't want to say that. Or maybe we begin to work more and more and more because we want it, but we end up missing out on other things or other relationships. In fact, I read about how many years ago there was a major American company that actually had trouble keeping employees working in their assembly plant in in Panama. You see, the laborers, they lived in an agriculture culture and then their bartering uh, economy. And so that's how they often traded things. But this company paid them in cash. And so after working for one week, the average employee had more cash in their hand than they had ever seen in their entire life. And so some of them started quitting because they didn't need any more. And so what the company decided to do was they gave all of their employees a Sears catalog. And so now all of a sudden, no one quit because they wanted these things that they'd never even thought about before. But in this catalog, they were seeing things, well, now that I can have this. And so their focus ended up changing and so did their priorities. Man, we don't want to be greedy people. And so a question that I could ask you as we're talking about this idea of dealing with money is do you own your money or does your money own you? Like, do you control where it goes or are you a slave to it? Do you always need more or are you thankful for the things that God has given to you? Solomon says, if you want to live life to the fullest, man, don't be a greedy person. Here's the fourth directive tied to money. Be generous. Okay, so we're going to flip-flop. Instead of just not being greedy, be generous. Be someone who gives and shares. Yes, with God, as we talked about a while ago, but also with other people. So there are three verses we're looking at here. Go to chapter 11. We're going to start in verse 25. Chapter 11, verse 25. In fact, here we're going to read two verses right in a row, verses 25 and 26. So in this chapter, Solomon says this. A generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. People curse the man who hoards grain, but blessing crowns him who is willing to sell. All right, go to chapter 14. So not too far away. Chapter 14, verse 31. 14, verse 31 says, he who oppresses the poor shows contempt for their maker, but whoever is kind to the needy honors God. And the last verse we're looking at is chapter 22, verse 9. Chapter 22, verse 9. And it says, a generous man will himself be blessed for he shares his food with the poor. What I want you to hear is we're reading those three different sets of verses that you honor God when you share with other people and you look specifically here, especially those who are in need, especially the poor. Like when you refresh others by giving to them, you will end up being refreshed yourself. 
And even if it's not giving something away, one of those verses, it wasn't, didn't talk about giving something away, but it just talked about hoarding it all to yourself. Keeping everything to yourself will not put you in right standing with other people. So instead, may you use what you have earned, what God has blessed you with, to invest in other people. In fact, the more seed that a farmer scatters, the more harvest that comes back. And as we give to others, I want you to be prepared to have a pretty fun harvest. In another sermon this week that I was reading kind of on this topic of generosity, the pastor referenced Truett Cathy. Maybe you've heard that name before. Maybe you haven't. He is the founder of Chick-fil-A. And if you Google quotes by Truett Cathy, there's quite a few of them that deal with this idea of being generous and the blessing that comes from that. And one of his quotes, it said, nearly every moment of every day, we have the opportunity to give something to someone else. Maybe our time, our love, our resources. And he said, I have always found more joy in giving when I did not expect anything in return. When I was freely just giving to someone, man, the joy that comes with that. In that same sermon, the pastor said, there are many who grip their wealth thinking that they are getting ahead. The odd thing is, they always seem to be needy. Then there are others who give freely, and they always seem to have more than enough. See, there is a joy in being able to give to others. And as weird as this statement from Scripture sounds, like it says, it is more blessed to give than to receive, it actually is true. Like maybe you've been in that moment when you were really thankful, and I mean really thankful, that someone stepped in and helped you out of a situation when you're like, I have no idea how I'm going to make it through this. But then... When you're in a spot when you get to pay it forward, when you get to help someone else out, even if that gift that you give is not nearly the same monetary value that you got, man, it is such a blessing to live as someone who is generous. And so one of the things that Solomon wants you to know, man, when we're talking money, you want to live life to the full, then be someone who's generous. Here's the next directive, and it's one that Dave Ramsey and others will often teach you about. It's be careful with loans. All right, be careful with loans. Believe it or not, Proverbs talks about borrowing and lending money. And so go to chapter 22. Oh, we might already be there. Chapter 22, verse 7. All right, here's what it says. The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is servant to the lender. Okay, and we're going to stay in chapter 22, but jump down to verses 26 and 27. It says, Do not be a man who strikes hands in pledge or puts up security for debts. If you lack the means to pay, your very bed will be snatched from under you. Okay, so hearing those verses, let's just talk about that. If you borrow money, you are at the mercy of the lender. Like you have to repay the money that you have borrowed. Back in Bible times, there were not banks. And so if the lender gave you money and then at some point came and said, it's time to pay up, you had to pay. And if you couldn't repay your loans, like you had everything taken from you so that that way they had things back. And Solomon says, that's not a place you want to live. Like, that's not where you want to live. And he also says this idea of if you co-sign for someone and they default on their payment, it's on you. And so some lessons from that is do your best to live within your means. And so when we're talking about loans, could I encourage you to only take out absolutely necessary loans? Like, think about in that moment, is this a need or is this a want? 
Or even ask yourself, is this a financially smart choice? And not just for the present, but also for the future. So we're talking about debt. Could I encourage you to try to stay away from it as much as possible because it can drag you down. So we ought to live within our means. We ought to only buy in the moment what we can afford. And this idea of co-signing, like you better know who you're co-signing with or co-signing for. Because I have seen a change in families when money can come between them. Now remember, Proverbs is not promises. Are there a lot of situations where even a family member will help co-sign for someone as they're starting out and everything works out because they pay everything off? Absolutely. But have I also seen some pretty huge rifts come between people who love one another all because of money? I have. And so Solomon says you ought to be very careful with all of this. In fact, here's one more set of verses that kind of tells you the importance that he sees about this. Turn back to chapter 6. All right, Proverbs chapter 6, verses 1 through 5. And it's kind of in the section just about folly, but you're going to hear exactly what he's talking about with this idea of finances. Chapter 6, verses 1 through 5. It says, My son, if you have put up security for your neighbor, if you have struck hands in pledge for another, if you have been trapped by what you said, ensnared by the words of your mouth, then do this, my son, to free yourself, since you have fallen into your neighbor's hands. Go and humble yourself. Press your plea with your neighbor. Allow no sleep to your eyes, no slumber to your eyelids. Free yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter, like a bird from the snare of the fowler. Like as you hear that, like Solomon is saying, try to be in right standing with money as quickly as you possibly can. So that again, your money doesn't own you. And I would tell you that when you're not stuck with debt and loans, it actually allows you to be in a place where you can be more generous and you'll find the blessings that God wants you to experience. Here's the sixth thing as we're talking about money. Don't trust in riches. All right, don't trust in riches. It's not where your ultimate trust should be. Money is not that. So there's three verses we're looking at here, starting with chapter 11, verse 4. Chapter 11, verse 4. Here's what it says. Wealth is worthless in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. Okay, stay in chapter 11, go down to verse 28. All right, 28, still in chapter 11. It says, whoever trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will thrive like a green leaf. Okay, the last verse is chapter 23, verses 4 and 5. So chapter 23, verses 4 and 5. It says, do not wear yourself out to get rich. Have the wisdom to show restraint. Cast but a glance at riches, and they are gone. For they will surely sprout wings and fly off to the sky like an eagle. See, while money is important, it is not of utmost importance. Like It can't help you out of every situation here on earth. You can't buy your way out of everything. And it won't save you the day that you stand before God. On Judgment Day, people aren't going to be comparing IRAs and mutual funds. You're not going to, there's a saying that says you don't see um, hearses pulling U-Hauls. 
because you cannot take it with you. And so you and I, we need to have the right mindset that money is the means to an end. It is not the end itself. It helps us as we provide for needs or we help others or we get to enjoy life, but it is not life itself. So therefore, one of the verses said, you shouldn't try like wearing yourself out, trying to be the richest person ever because that in and of itself will not satisfy. So know when to work hard for something, but also know when to be content with where you're at. Because if you trust riches over God, then it will leave you disappointed. Here's the final directive when it comes to looking at money. Love everyone. That's right. Love everyone. And you might go, well, that sounds weird. Like, that doesn't sound like it belongs in this money sermon, but follow me for just a second. There are multiple verses in the book of Proverbs about how the rich have all these friends, but the poor don't. But if you read those verses, those friends aren't really the center circle friends that we talk about. Those instead are the ones who are just involved in the relationship because they get something. Like they get some gifts. They get to experience some things that maybe they wouldn't on their own because they can't afford that. But when there's no money, all of a sudden those friends are gone. And so here's the important truth about money. Go to chapter 22, verse 2. This is our last verse. Chapter 22, verse 2. It says, rich and poor have this in common. The Lord is the maker of them all. Rich and poor have this in common. The Lord is the maker of them all. So the rich, they should humble themselves for they're not better than anyone else. The poor, they shouldn't envy the rich. We're told to be faithful with what God has entrusted to us. But the bigger message, even from this verse, is that you and I, we are all made in the image of God. And James chapter 2 says, you shouldn't show favoritism to someone based off their money or anything else in that matter. Instead, may you look at everyone you meet as someone who is made in God's image. Dr. Bryant and I were talking about that this week, that everyone, like let that word sink in, everyone you come in contact with, everyone you help, everyone that encourages you, everyone who is mean to someone that you really love, everyone else who sins, everyone you like, and everyone you're not a fan of, is equally made in the image of God as you. We are all made in God's image, and his heart is that all would come to know him. He wants all to wear that name of child of God. He wants all to experience freedom. So yeah, freedom from this bondage of money and greed, man, it allows you to have more joy while you live on this earth. And so it is important. But I'll tell you that being free from sin, free from rebellion against God, free from those stains that we want to hide that we don't want anyone else to know about, or even this idea, this feeling that I'm just not good enough, like Jesus came to take all of that away. And I would tell you that if you have never accepted the gift of grace that Jesus offers, man, I would encourage you to have a conversation with someone. We have people in the prayer room that would love to talk with you and pray with you. Maybe you have a friend. Maybe you have a connection with a pastor, but have a conversation with someone because I will tell you that nothing will change your life more because Jesus is life. Like he is real life. 
But then for those of us who have, could I encourage us this week as we live our lives, really try to love everyone. Treat everyone with the same love and grace that you have received from Jesus. So again, there's seven directives. The idea of giving to God first, earning money with integrity. Don't be greedy, but be generous. Be careful with loans. Don't trust in riches and love everyone. And my question is, is there one of those that maybe God is challenging you in this morning? Or maybe he's encouraging you with that. Or maybe he's simply teaching you so that you might be able to handle money in a different way and enjoy life that much more. If so, my encouragement, my challenge to you would be to focus on that one thing this week and ask God to really help you with that so that you might walk in step with him just a little bit more. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your word. And even as we're talking about this area of finances, sometimes we can maybe get kind of angry with it because no one else should tell us how to spend or whatever. But man, you really do want what's best for us. And so help us to handle money in the correct way and help us to be generous people because it's not ours anyway. But God, back at the first verse that we read, may we honor you with all of it. And then God, with our lives, help us to love everyone around us. May we teach them grace. May we teach them the truth so that they can experience the life change that we have. God, thank you that we get to be with you for eternity and for not holding anything back, but sending your son for us. Father, we love you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.